0: Good morning. It is Friday, the 23rd of July. What have you been doing this summer? Wow, we have so much to catch up on. Paul Perot, I feel like, you know, I'm saying welcome back to you, but really yeah. you're saying welcome back to me. It's just good to be it, back. It's, I it's, you. It's,
2: it's a little bit of both because I left. I was out for about a week and a half. Then you were out for four days. And, I
0: okay, know, so what like was the highlight? What was the highlight of your trip?
2: Uh, highlight of my trip? Oh. Uh, If you ever can get to the Pictured Rock tours on the uh, south shore of Lake Superior uh, in Upper Michigan, beautiful, worth it. It is gorgeous.
0: I love that. Okay, so my um, my highlight is similar in that if you can ever get to Snowmass Lake, uh, just right. It's well, you can either hike there from Snowmass or you can hike there from Aspen. Those are your two ways in. But if you can get there and you can take a tent and you can camp out overnight and you can wake up in the morning to that view,
1: mm.
0: um, let me just tell you. I mean, you, I don't know how you could see the things that we saw hiking in Maroon Bells, uh, just outside of Aspen, Colorado, and not believe in God. Like I don't, I don't know how you could. I just don't know, and I also don't know how you could physically do it without, um. You know, like I, I had to, pretty much every step of the way, remind myself that, you know, in Christ I can do all things. Through Christ I can do all things. <laughs> <Like> people, <laughs> I had to keep telling myself people have done harder things than this, Carmen. It's, you it's, can do. You can. You can do this. It's, it's so
2: good you had that physical uh, camp oh. that you went to back in June, so you're ready for oh, all this. Oh yeah,
0: there's no question. No, I, I, <laughs> I don't. There's no question that if I hadn't spent three weeks at a fitness camp, there's no way I would have done the 27 mile four pass loop at Maroon Bells. Mm. But I'm so glad that I did, and I'm so glad that I'm back home, and I'm so glad we're together. And so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful for you.
1: There you go. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Um, a couple of prayer concerns this morning. Just um, want to just lift these up. If you're listening this morning, you know that um, ordinarily on Friday mornings we catch up with Matthew Hawkins. Um, Matt's not going to be back with us for some period of time. We don't actually know how long it's going to be. Here's what we do know. He's going to have open heart surgery on uh, the 29th. So let's just tee that up for um, for prayers all the way around. And you're saying to yourself, now, wait a second, Matt Hawkins is really young. Um, yeah, he is. He is really young. Um, and um, this is something that he has been struggling with for a few years now. And he had some stints put in a, a couple of years ago. Um, and instead of an ablation, he is now going to have what he he shared with us, and I know that he has shared publicly on social media, and so I feel comfortable sharing it with you all. He's going to have open heart surgery. Um, he's going to have a, a bypass surgery, um, I think it's a week from yesterday. So let's be, just go ahead and tee that up on your, on your prayer concern calendar. And, you know, hopefully sometime this fall when he feels up to it, um, he'll be able to rejoin us who we have this morning is mark hancock from trail life usa and i gotta tell you that after my experiences this summer boy do i have questions for him all right trail life usa update up next on this friday morning good morning to you all we'll be right back
1: welcome back your dreams were your ticket out welcome back to that same be
0: fine. Mark Hancock joins me now, Trail Life USA, one of my uh, favorite ministries out there today. Uh, love that we're getting to catch up about it. Mark, welcome back. Thanks,
2: Carmen. It's great to be here.
0: Oh, it's so good to have you with us. All right. Remind people, um, what is Trail Life USA? And then share with folks, you know, just some a little bit about the explosive growth you guys have experienced in just the last handful of years.
2: Yeah, it's an exciting time. Trail Life USA is a Christ-centered, boy-focused character and leadership and adventure organization for boys from kindergarten through 12th grade. Uh, Think of an outdoor organization for boys. We have handbooks and and uniforms and patrols and, and, and guides and do adventures in the outdoors, hiking, camping, all those sorts of things to expect for the outdoors. We have a robust award program uh, for boys. And we've just been seeing explosive growth over the last uh, year or so. We have a 70% increase in new members uh, you know, coming out of the, the, the pandemic. And uh, we're in all 50 states now of over 30,000, well over 30,000 members. And we're, we operate uh, troops out of about 900 churches on all 50 states.
0: All right, so if you're listening right now, where you want to check out all this information um, and find a troop near you or start one at your church, traillifeusa.com, traillifeusa.com. Um, talk about the fact that this is church—I um, want, want to say church-based, but it's actually a church ministry.
2: Yeah, yeah, one of our core values is that we are church-owned and operated, which means that our troops just don't meet in the basement of the church. Uh, they're an outreach of the local church. And there are some critical things that we do in structuring a, a, a troop. We have a conversation with the church, and not all churches are, are permitted a charter you off say you have to agree with our statement of faith and our statement of values, which does things like talks about uh, human sexuality, what a man and a woman is, and defines marriage and things like that. And uh, so the, the troop operates out of that church as a ministry of the church. We have a position in the in our troop called the troop ministry liaison, which is a person whose sole job is to make sure that that church is represented in troop life, and that the troop is represented in church life. And then they also approve every single adult member. They get personal reference. You can't just join Trail Life. You just can't go online and join us. You have to you have to come through the door of the local church that attests to your your character. Um, you may not necessarily attend that church; you may attend a different church, but but you'll have a, a relationship, uh, you know, personally, be, be known by that uh, by that local uh, troop ministry liaison. So that secures our connection to the local church. We're not an outdoor organization that's having a Christian experience. We are at our core a Christian ministry that uses the outdoors to grow boys into good and godly men.
0: Okay, and that's the part. Um, I just. I love that. Like boys are boys, and there's something boyish about boys, and there's uh, something about boys getting outside and getting dirty and getting wet and sleeping under the stars and learning about themselves and others and community and hard work and physical stuff. Talk with us a little bit about boys and the great outdoors and the great outdoors.
2: Yeah. Well, thanks for saying that. And thanks for recognizing that boys and girls. Are different. I know that's a radical statement to make today, but we believe that wholeheartedly at Trail Life USA. There's, there's, there are two things that separate us from other outdoor boys' organizations that you may be familiar with. One is that we are Christ centered, we're unapologetically Christian. And secondarily, we are boy focused which means that we believe that boys and girls are different like you said we think that boys and girls need their own programs that are designed for their specific strengths we have a book it's actually a free download right now at our website called let boys be boys which answers the question that you're talking about we talk about three winning strategies for leaders of boys i wrote this book uh, for our leaders to teach them how to minister to boys in an outdoor in an outdoor setting or even how to manage them indoors and they kept coming to me saying, Hey, is it okay if I give this to my Sunday school teacher? Is it okay if I give this to my son's uh, teacher at school? Is it okay that I share this with our homeschool call? I said, Of course. So we rewrote the book to speak to all kinds of leaders of boys, and we talk about things like the physical, psychological, developmental differences between boys and girls and, and how each of them need their own sort of uh, uh, environment that's designed for them and we talk about important things like risk and competition you know carmen we've we, we've taken risk and competition out of so many areas of boys lives you know uh recess is out of it's taken out of a lot of schools you know in california they took tag out of schools with it because they thought it was too competitive and it was hurting hurting kids uh, emotions and we, we just think that that kind of risk and competition is something that boys really crave so we've taken that out of their their lives and not keeping score in games, doing things like that, and and we've driven them inside to video games, where video games they can compete, they can try harder, they can fail and then recover, and they can do all these things in this virtual world that they really love. That's why the video games are so attractive to boys because they have replaced the things that we used to give them in real life, and so now boys uh, go in rush in droves to video games, and we criticize them for being there when we've removed from them those vital elements from the, from the real life. And then the, the third thing we talk about in, in, uh, in let boys be boys is how important physical activity is for boys. You know, science tells us that, that boys need to be active in order for their brains to be engaged. And they know that organically, that's why a boy in school will sit there and fidget, he's saying to us, I've got to move in order to learn. But then we criticize him for fidgeting too much. We tell him he's not paying attention and we declare that he's ADHD. And these are just things that are working against boys in our society. It's like boyhood is some kind of social disease that needs to be eradicated. And through Trail Life USA, we're honoring again, the boy, the energy, the impulsivity, the risk, the competition, because good boys raised by godly men become winning and focused men. And you can point to our culture and say that a lot of things that we've done that become great is because we have winning and focused men who experience the opportunity to, to take risks, to compete, and to get better and to prove and come back and be rewarded for those efforts. And we're restoring that to boyhood.
0: I just love that. All right. Mark Hancock and I are going to return in just a moment for more on Trail Life USA and also Mark's answers to all of Carmen's question questions about um, the time she spent off the grid in the wilderness in the past four days. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, I'm encouraging you today to check out everything available uh, to you and for boys in your life at traillifeusa.com. Mark Hancock and I are going to continue our conversation Um, Mark, so I just spent um, the last four days, uh, Sunday to Wednesday, and then we drove home yesterday, but Sunday to Wednesday um, in the wilderness, hiking the four-pass loop at Maroon Bells in Colorado, and it's definitely the physically most difficult thing I've ever done in my entire life, Um, so I'm not actually recommending it to anyone, Um, but I am saying that it was glorious, and it was beautiful, and it was so far, literally off the beaten path. Um, and I thought that it would be a good day for us to talk about things like trail etiquette and what to do if you get lost in the woods.
2: Sure. Well, you know, the woods is, is a fascinating place. We call it the, the great level playing field when we get boys in the outdoors. You know, I mean, uh, they're saying that this generation is first generation to be raised by Google. And, uh, but when you get in the outdoors with boys and men uh, through organizations like Trail Life, that's a level playing field. And so men get to share their experience. Uh, you know, uh, you, you can Google how to start a fire with wet leaves, but until you've seen a guy do it, uh, you, 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 you haven't really learned anything. So, so we love the outdoors. And, and, of course, your experience there uh, speaks to, uh, you know, the, the creation, the wonder and the marvel of the creation of God out there. So it's a great place to, to, to meet with God and understand uh, uh, his creation, what he's done, done for us
0: it it is extraordinary um so all right if you're going out on a hike here are here are Carmen's um five things i think everybody should know you're supposed to yield to hikers who are going uphill so always yield to hikers going the if if they're going uphill and you're going downhill yield to them um and i i had to repeat this several times so this was a great experience for us as a family and we do have a 15 year old um son and he has some special needs and so I had to keep saying, Okay, we are going to take only pictures and leave only footprints because the the constant reminder to, you know, let's let's make sure we don't leave any evidence that we were here behind. But also, like, don't pick the flowers. Like, you know, right? They're not gonna be there for the next group of people. I mean, although there are millions and millions and millions and millions of wildflowers out there right now um can you just what are some of the things that like kids who are only spending time inside and let's let's say on video games just basic stuff they don't know about being yeah. outdoors
2: yeah and it's really it's really fascinating you know we so it's really helpful to have to have a guide and what you had in in the form of maybe a pamphlet or something they gave you was was, was your guide to say okay this is where you're going to go this is the trail to stay on, and these are the things that you should and shouldn't be doing. There are such things as etiquette out there. And there's smart rules. I mean, that there's to to preserve what it is that you're enjoying for other people. Uh, we, we, we use a, a program at Trail of USA called Tread Lightly. And it's the same mm. thing that you're talking you're talking about where, where you're going through that experience, but it isn't being changed by you, you're being changed by that experience. And and so we encourage that in boys to understand that the outdoors as wild as it is, uh, still has rules and, and, and things that things that we should follow after to preserve that for other people and also to keep ourselves safe. You know, if you don't know an area, uh, you have to be especially careful. But if you have a guide, a map, Someone has gone there before you to, to, to talk to you about what it is that you're gonna uh, experience there. Those are powerful things. And let me make this transition. Those are powerful things in life. And that's why in Trail of USA, in our, our, our Christian focus, men are modeling for boys and men are giving them a trail map for life itself. So on the trail, you may have experienced a thing where maybe there was something on the map that said, you know, avoid this area, there's a stream up here, or there's a, uh, there's a overlook here and you had to be aware of those things in real life we have men who are mentoring boys and they get to say hey listen I've been through puberty I've had relationships. I I had a girl break up with me. I've had difficult times in school. Let me show you the map to my life and how to avoid a really going off a cliff around these 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 sorts of things. So we use the outdoors to mentor young men in all areas of their life. But you really got to experience uh, the real thing uh, up close and personal. I'm 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 glad you took the time to to do that. And as much as you say that it was challenging for you, I I, I bet you have no regrets at all.
0: Oh, no regrets at all. Incredible family experience. Couldn't recommend it more highly just in terms of I mean, even um, even if what you can do and I'm not minimizing this, if what you can do is get outside and camp in your backyard and figure out how to, you know, cook, not using electricity and figure out how to find your way somewhere without using your phone. Like, right, because like all of those are really great experiences, Um, And it's just, it's good, it's good, it's healthy, fun, it's really great for character development. Um, And and just cast the vision, uh, Mark, one more time for the ways in which, and and Trail Life is doing this so beautifully, so let me just remind everybody, traillifeusa.com, tons of great resources and access to other ministry partners as well. Um, Just remind us of the value of investing in this way in our boys.
2: Well, any time we can expose our boys to to a new experience where they get to engage with something new, think things through, overcome something difficult, um, it's good for them. You know, reminded of a boy in North Carolina. He was in a family of five, and through t- horrible circumstances, his father was removed from the home, and here he is left with a single mom who hasn't worked in years, and she's got to raise these kids. Well, he was. Uh, I think he was 15 years old at the time, and a, a trail life troop reached out to him, the leaders of that troop said, hey, we, we want to take your boys, she had four boys, we want to take your boys into our program. And uh, so the first thing he went on was a 50-mile hike, sounds a lot like what you went on, <laughs> or at least just challenging. And uh, he said the first day, uh, he just didn't think he could make it, and the second day, he just dragged himself, was hurt every part of his body, and the third day, it was all he could do, just to take his next step up that mill that mountain. The fourth day he saw the peak, and the fifth day he stood on it. And he came home and he told his mother. He says, "Mom, that was the hardest thing that I ever did, but I learned something. I can do hard things." Now that's powerful stuff for a boy who's going through what he was going through at home. So the outdoors is a great place with good, good and godly mentors to to engage uh, with our limits and to try something new. Like you said, just put a tent in the backyard, do a blanket fort in the living room. Uh, you know, uh, cook cooks something over a fire. These are great experiences for, for boys to 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 take part in, for them to see that that there's other ways to prepare food, there's other ways to live, and it really liven's up the family too. It's great. You know, we had our national backyard campout. I think the last time we talked, that's what we had. We had over twenty thousand families camp in their backyard during during COVID, and uh, then we had a national backyard uh, campout movie night where, thousands of families watched a movie in their backyard that we live streamed and we've done other events like that through trail life so stay engaged with trail life to see what our, our, our next national backyard camp out is each one is themed differently but it gets families in the outdoors in a way that they can engage and like i said even as simple as well just do a blanket for it in the living room do something different you know, these are these are difficult times where we're all kind of huddled kind of close so it's great to take the family and experience new and different things and bring excitement back into the household
0: it's it's so great. It's so wonderful. Um, I was thinking when I saw the National Spelling Bee uh, a few weeks ago and, you know, how we highlight that as a great achievement. I, I really do feel like there should be some sort of national competitive um, s'mores-making, some, some kind of national event where, you know, because I feel like s'mores are possibly the highlight of the whole thing. So oh, I hope you're teaching boys how to s'mores. build a fire <laughs> and how to correctly roast a marshmallow and how to put the chocolate inside the marshmallow between the graham crackers and then and then the delight of handing that to someone else like I I think that the character building and all of that but also that the teaching men to cook particularly the s'more the perfect like that that's gonna make that that's gonna make that boy popular at a high school and college camp out if he knows how to make the perfect marshmallow so there you go that would be my add-in I'm gonna add that in if it's not already there
2: <laughs> yes s'mores are a part of our culture. And, and when you're outdoors, you got you just got to do it. It's part you, of the You got to
0: do it. <laughs> you got to do it. Don't build your campfire, though, above the place where it says no campfires above here. There you go. All right. There, that's, my, that, that's our little PSA for this morning. Mark Hancock from Trail Life USA. So great to catch up with you. Love, love, love what you're doing. Want everybody to check it out. TrailLifeUSA.com. Find a troop near you. Start one at your own church. Get your people engaged. They're on all the socials as well. TrailLifeUSA.com. Mark, thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Carmen. You have a great day.
0: You too. All right. We're going to take a quick break for Knowing God with Greg glory. We'll be right back.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, yes. For all of those of you asking, hey, 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 what about the girls? What about the girls? Yes. American Heritage Girls would be where I would send you if you have girls and you're looking for a complimentary ministry to Trail Life USA, uh, Trail Life USA on their partner page. If you were to go to traillifeusa.com and you were to go to the partner page, you would find the American Heritage Girls right there. We have had uh, them on before. They have um, great free downloads at their website as well. It is americanheritagegirls.org. And yes, now that you have reminded us that we should do some equal time. We will have them on to talk about raising godly girls. They've got guides to that as well. Just like Trail Life USA has guides to, you know, raising godly young men. There is help out there if you'll if you'll take advantage of the resources available. All right, next up, what are we doing next? What are we doing next? Let's see. The question this morning. I think I'll I think I'll phrase it this way. Um, are we working alongside other Christ followers to build up the body of Christ? To extend the kingdom of God to more and more people, or are have we become, you know, part of the problem in the church? You know, where we're undermining its very foundations, maybe tearing down other Christians, maybe even working to destroy what others um, are working so actively to build. I I have been following the developing story of Pastor David Platt, and we're going to talk about it next with Chris Martin. He features it in his Terms of Service newsletter. Um, this week he's a content marketing editor at Moody Publishers and he joins me next. We'll be right back.
1: Ever had a warning light come up on your dashboard? Hey, when the radiator's boiling, it's time to pull over. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's teens. Just as you would pay attention to and act on a warning in your car, we need to pay attention to the warning light in relationships. When a teen is boiling over with anger, that should be a flashing light on our control panel. Ignoring the simmering tempers will simply make the situation worse. In fact, it has the potential to put up walls in a relationship. And ignoring the signals opens the door for issues to get out of hand. So when anger bubbles up inside your home, don't disengage from your teen. Now's the time to pay attention to the warning light. Want more parenting help from Mark Gregston? Find helpful resources at parentingtodaysteens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your
2: favorite app store.
0: All right, joining me again today, Chris Martin. We're going to talk about some recent posts at his terms of service. A newsletter. So, if you want to find uh, what we're talking about today, uh, you can check out Chris's terms of service, and you you can find it on Substack. Chris, welcome back.
1: Hey, thanks again for having me.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so um, I thought of like a half a dozen different ways we could tee up the conversation about David Platt and what is going on um, with that, and and misinformation and disinformation and the social internet. Um, or the digital world are all part of this. But I was also thinking that this challenge is as old as the jealousy of Joseph's brothers. It's as destructive as what was going on in the days of Nehemiah when others were trying to tear down the walls as Nehemiah and uh, and the crew were trying to build them. But today, all of that destructive behavior is empowered and networked through social media. So talk with us about what is happening um, with the uh, with those who would seek to destroy the ministry of an individual, that individual being David Platt.
1: Sure. So David Platt is the lead pastor of McLean Bible Church in Virginia, kind of suburban Washington, D.C. I think they have a few locations around that area. And you may have heard of him if you're listening because of his book Radical, which is one of the best-selling Christian books of the last decade or or more. Um, And at the end of June, the leaders of his church presented three uh, men in their church as nominees to become elders. And – to briefly summarize, I'm kind of, I'm kind of paraphrasing a, how Christianity Today reported this. A small group of people inside and outside of the church—this is according to Platt— uh, a small group of people inside and outside the church coordinated a divisive effort to use disinformation in order to persuade others to vote these men down as part of a broader effort to take control of the church. Online posts, Facebook, uh, email— uh, all charged David Platt with pushing critical race theory, revising biblical teaching on sexuality, and aligning the Southern Baptist Convention – aligning with the Southern Baptist Convention despite uh, McLean's constitutional prohibition of affiliating with any denomination. And so basically what happened as I gather and as as both uh, – as, as many news outlets report and as David Platt, the pastor of this church, reports himself – Um, People have a problem with the way David Platt has been leading the church, and look, church conflict is not new, obviously. Plenty of us have probably endured similar situations, but what's a little unique about this, uh, especially given our age and and times— is not only are current and even past members uh, working together to kind of try to upend this process. Um, I mean, the, these folks are saying that, they were, that if these elders were nominated and, and installed as elders, that the church was going to sell their church uh, to Muslims so that they could build a mosque on the site, which is, I mean, assuming uh, unless David Platt was lying to literally everyone that he's communicated with, That's just patently untrue. It's not like these are just differences of opinion or political disagreements. They're like actual outrageous lies being slung around here. And so what's unique about this situation is you had people who have no affiliation with the church whatsoever, uh, but are kind of conservative voices, politically conservative voices that um, create content around evangelical issues on the Internet also flexing their muscles to have an influence of a local church's elder election. So effectively, I mean, this is a very real state. Like this is a true statement from what happened here An internet based misinformation campaign nearly seized control of a mega church. That's plainly what happened here. And I think I, I have been really fired up about this, honestly, since I heard about it earlier in the week, not just because I'm like mad for David Platt or, or whatever, um, Regardless of what you maybe think about the situation or or whether or not you appreciate the ministry of David Platt, all of that aside, I think what we have going on here is really troubling, and quite frankly, I think all pastors should be equipped to deal with something like this
0: and I think that the the equipping for the kinds of challenges that we're talking about you know at one level, it's not new to need to be equipped for i mean you know back in the day it was the person who who typed up a, a letter and made Xerox copies and sent them around. And then, you know, that became sort of the email, the anonymous email um, accusation kind of thing. And that's the way that, that this kind of fire was lit maybe 10 or 15 years ago. And now we have social media and an entire like Facebook groups that will rise up and de- it, 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 to destroy a person's ministry. And I I think that um, well first of all you know even when I say it that way right that's probably not the right way to say it I'm not, is this about destroying an individual or that individual's quote unquote success in ministry I mean is it just basic jealousy or is there you know a legitimate concern about how do we hold um, our pastors accountable theologically um, and doctrinally and then you know what does happen in a local congregation when there's a group of people that is is out of accord is is in open discord with other people in the church and how do local congregations resolve that in a social internet era
1: yeah yeah i think the um those are very good questions and i think the while i don't want to paint everyone who has kind of risen up against these elders as a sort of like stand against Pastor David Platt and his ministry, or whatever else. I don't want to paint them all with the same brush, as I as even in interviews that have been conducted at various news outlets, um, some people who were kind of got involved with this were like, "This is not how I wanted this to go down," um, and so I understand that there's even some hesit- hesitancy among the people who have been involved. I think when there are people involved who, who aren't even members of the church, that's when it kind of goes beyond any realm of an attempt to healthily resolve conflict so when you have a a, the capstone report which is like a hardcore i would call far-right conservative like political blog that has interests in evangelicalism like they go after people in the sbc all the time etc kind of like kind of like a hit piece sort of blog um when they start getting involved with like a local church ministry and and trying to influence these things then we're getting outside the bounds of like a, of of just church members trying to figure out how to hold pastors accountable, um, and so I think I think that's a a big thing. The reason one of the reasons I'm most fired up about this, Carmen, as you know, I'm really passionate about like pastors and Christians in general being sort of social media literate. And as I've had conversations over the years about social media and its impact on Christians or impacts on pastors leading churches. Um, I've had, I've kind of felt like I'm banging my head against a brick wall from time to time because a lot of pastors or, or Christian leaders in general, just like, uh, social media is not real life. Or it's just like those, those teens and their phones, or, um, man, if we can just, man, if we can just post more like, like, what would Jesus do on Twitter? Like we should just post like Jesus. And I'm just like, I'm so sick of hearing that kind of thing because this is very real. Um, like I I hope the reason I wrote the way I did this week is I hope that pastors, church leaders, Christian leaders of any kind can look at this Platt situation, this McLean Bible Church situation and say, this could happen to me. And social media is very real, uh, more real than just people getting upset on Twitter and it never makes – like what happens online – makes its way into offline life and with a lot more frequency and a lot more intensity than I think a lot of us realize so this is not something to like play with as a pet um, or 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 toy with um, I think we should take social media and what happens on the internet very seriously and if and if we're a Christian leader and we get some Raging email about from someone who's upset with how we're doing things and they say I'm gonna do X Y or Z We should take that kind of thing seriously And I think we should stop treating social media like it's some game or, or something separate from real life uh, Because misinformation is invading the church in all kinds of ways and I know pastors are aware of that in some other ways But this is perhaps the most shocking uh, Way that it's even been used to try to take over an entire church.
0: All right. Chris Martin and I, uh, when we come back from a very brief break, we're going to actually talk about something we have both read that Tim Keller wrote, and it's posted at the Gospel Coalition. Can social media foster persuasion, not polarization? That conversation is up next. We'll be right back. All right. uh, I am Carmen LeBurge. I am talking with Chris Martin. We're going to talk about something that Tim Keller has written, which is about someone else's book uh, named Chris Bale. So there you go. This is about social media. Um, The book is Breaking the Social Media Prism. Chris Bale is the author of that book. And so, Chris Martin, why are you and I talking about this?
1: It's a great book. Uh, Chris Bale is a professor of sociology at Duke University. Um, I saw Tim Keller tweeting about this book. Kind of, I think he was tweeting about it a month and a half ago, maybe as he was reading through it. And I, I you know, I have this sort of like uh, uh, begrudging uh, addiction. I, maybe you call it that, where when I see somebody like Tim Keller or another Christian leader that I appreciate tweeting about a social media book like this, I'm like, well, I guess I got to go buy it because if he's reading it, I got to read it. <laughs> and so uh, about, about six weeks ago, I, I bought this book and um, I read through It's actually, I mean, it's a kind of an academic read, but it's not super long. It's, it's a pretty good book. Um, and this author talks about um, social media, uh, identity, ideas, breaking the prism, as the title suggests. Um, and one of, one of the core ideas of the book that, that Tim Keller highlights is... Um, Social media is a lot more about building an identity than it is about debating ideas, and I, I've written about this a good bit myself. And and Dr. Bale, Chris Bale, in the book, talks about how social media is a lot more about crafting a self and and trying to um, project who we are to other people uh, more than it is about really talking about the actual content of of our of what we're posting. Um, and and you see this just because. Of uh, you can see it in how people uh, don't really ever change their minds a whole lot, at least publicly, about what they're posting on social media. If you've ever seen, maybe you've participated in an argument on social media, or you've just been a fly on the wall watching an argument take place in, you know, Facebook comments or something like that. Um, you never really see many people concede ground. You know, I, I haven't seen anybody say in a Facebook comment section, "Oh, you know what? My uh, my my logical reasoning was inconsistent and." Uh, I was wrong. I actually think you're right in this situation. You, you virtually never see that. And that's because what's happening online isn't as much about the debate of ideas as it is about crafting an identity. And none of us like to generally craft an identity where we're wrong. And so Dr. Bale talks a lot about how social media is more about identity and, than ideas, and, and Tim Keller highlights a good bit of that. Um, another thing that Dr. Bale highlights is that uh, there's a lot of research lately. You know, we talk about echo chambers or filter bubbles, however you want to define them, where we follow people we agree with, but we don't follow people we disagree with. And logic has often said before there was much research in this area, logic has said that. Well, if you just, you know, if you're uh if you're politically liberal and you follow a bunch of other politically liberal people, well that's why because you're not engaging with ideas on the other side of the ideological aisle or or same from conservatives. And so that that logically makes sense, but there's more and more data recently that says that when people of one political or ideological persuasion are exposed to content from the other end of the spectrum, so if a conservative typically only follows conservative voices and then they're exposed to more liberal voices, that actually drives them further toward the right or in, in the opposite scenario, toward the left. It vol- it, it makes people—drives them further into whatever beliefs they already hold and is m- kind of makes that opposing viewpoint more repulsive to them than less repulsive. So filter bubbles or echo chambers don't contribute to polarization, um, which is— kind of surprising logically again when you think about it but there was even newer research and this is not talked about in the article because this research was released just about a month ago that sh- that's really telling it was published in a in a leading sociology magazine that the, part of the reason people are further driven into the idea ideolo- ideologies that they hold by ex- being exposed to opposing ones so uh, the the reason a liberal Twitter user would be driven more toward their liberal views by being exposed to people on the right is because the vast majority of content that's getting shared around is negative. It's called outgroup shaming. So the reason that somebody who's on the political left would seek content from the political right and be repulsed by it further into their liberal ideology is because the content that they're most likely seeing from conservatives is content that's like demeaning liberals it's not because it's for example the reason that somebody who's pro-life on twitter may become more pro-life by seeing a liberal on twitter is because they see the liberal say pro-life people hate women and they're like oh that's not me and they shove themselves away from that idea rather than seeing pro-life people just care about um young people more than older people or or whatever else which is a, a less bombastic idea and would maybe make them want to talk more. So a a large reason that Chris Bale in this book review, or Tim Keller in this book review, identifies that we're polarized is the content we're sharing is so negative toward one another that even if we're exposed to other ideas, it's not going to matter just because it's so negative and and, uh, antagonistic in nature.
0: Chris, you're always um, bringing things to the table and new language. Outgroup shaming is new language for me this morning, um, just in terms of understanding or having a way to describe things that I certainly see happening. Um, And I think that that equips me to be able to, probably as a direct message, but to say to somebody, um, you know, who espouses to be a Christian, for me to be able to say, okay, that's this is what you're doing, whether or not you know what it is and are aware that this is what's happening. You are, this is, you're shaming a person who's not in, quote unquote, in your group. And that's really actually not the gospel. Like shaming people is not right. the gospel.
1: Yeah, exactly. And unfortunately, um, as 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 uh, Keller identifies in his review and that Bale says in his book, Content that's on the extremes does well on social media, and content that's in the middle does poorly. And that's how polarization is just kind of perpetuated, and we need to be aware of that.
0: Yeah, that is so helpful. Polarization is perpetuated when we share negative content, which means we have to ask ourselves, why am I actually on social media? What am I doing in this particular platform? Why am I here? And is the identity that I am, quote unquote, seeking to build on this social media platform actually an identity that's consistent with Christ and if it's not then stop it. That'll be my that'll be my right. two words this morning. Then stop it. All right. Chris, um as always a joy to catch up with you. Blessings on you and, and your peeps. Um it's always this is great. It's great to talk with you. Um roast marshmallows this weekend. That is my sort of public directive to everyone. It seems to be that time of year.
1: All right, cool. Yeah, you do right. the same. Talk yeah. to you later.
0: Find an excuse. All right. That's Chris Martin. You can find him on all the socials. Uh, His uh, newsletter is Terms of Service. Great place to stay informed and great conversations taking place um, there as well. He is a content marketing editor at Moody Publishing. We'll be right back. All right. Where in the word are you today? What are you reading? How are you glorifying God by soaking your life in His Word before you get out there into the world that God so loves. We spent a lot of time uh, over the weekend in the Psalms as we were watching uh, God declare His glory through the created order. And so I will just lift up this to you from Psalm 8 this morning. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. You have set Your glory above the heavens, out of the mouths of babies and infants, You have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man? Who am I that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? And yet you made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet. Whatever passes along the paths of the sea, the birds, the sheep, the oxen, the beasts, the birds, the fish. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's be glorifying God today in all we see and say and do. We've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app.